Conor Mortimer. Is that going to trickle over? Yes, it is. Joyce again from Michael Donnellan. Donnellan has done really well. Galway finally leads. Joyce still going. Brings it in as he brought it in enough. Level again. Durkin, he did it twice last weekend in the hide, and he's brought that scoring form to Salt Hill in Galway as they stretch it out more. Shane Walsh just holding it up. Lee Keegan is there with him. Walsh having to do it all himself, and that is an absolutely gorgeous point from Shane Walsh. Yeah, hello there. We've got some cracking games in both the hurling and football championships this weekend, including some age-old rivalries, as you've just heard there. Shane Dowling looks ahead to the hurling qualifiers, while Keith Higgins gives a personal insight of playing in the Connacht final. Cork All-Ireland winner Paul Currigan dissects the Munster football final and discusses James O'Donoghue's departure from the Curry squad. And Galway's Michael Meehan is with us to talk about the Connacht final and all things football. Here's Michael Meehan. Oh, Meehan, brilliant feat to take him away from Geraghty. This could seal it. Oh, yes. He's got it. Michael Meehan. Two against two. Meehan has it. Meehan must get a goal here. Meehan still, and Meehan has scored! The level! It's the equaliser! He joins us now. Those were the days, Michael Meehan. That's facts, Damien. You had to go back a, a little while to get those clips. <laughs> we, our, our researcher and producer, John Farley, did a lot of digging in the archive as well. Yeah, look, I mean, just great to hear that. And, I mean, I suppose football was hugely in your family, Michael, and it's a, just another traditional occasion Galway Mayo in the Connacht final. Just as regards this current one, how do you see it just from the outside? With what happened last weekend and the festival of football and hurling we had, um, you know, particularly from, from the north and the football, Connacht is, I suppose, um, hopefully it's building up for, for a big game now just to... You've, uh, you've kind of one of the traditional finals again between the two teams and you'd be hoping that it's just going to be a rip-roarer um, down over the years, they're not always spectacular. From time to time, there, there's a, there is the spectacular game thrown in there. Um, when you have fierce, the fierce, fiercest of rivals coming together, you know, it's going, oftentimes, you know, quality can suffer at the hands of, you know, not wanting to lose. So we'll see what will happen on Sunday. But, but with the venue we're going to and with the weather the way it is, I'd be very hopeful that we're, there's a, hopefully a, a big game of football in store for everyone watching. You happy the game is in Croke Park, 18,000 as compared to 2,500 at the Munster final in Killarney, Michael? Personally, I, 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 I am. You know, if I was a player as well, I would be happy to, to be going to Croke Park. You know, that's every player in their right mind who's serious about it, who wants to be on the biggest stage, you know, will, 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 will happily head in that direction. Um, especially, you know, it's, it's essentially an All-Ireland quarter-final and the All-Ireland semi-final is going to be in Croke Park as well. So it's that little bit of match practice. I know that's... You know, it might be different from a Mayo perspective, you know, locally to the economy and, and, and to the players. But, you know, they're, they're so used to Crow Park um, and have been there up there on and off, or, you know, over the years consistently. You know, it, it's their second home. And I'm, I don't think there'll be too many, um, from the player player's perspective, mm. that there'll be too many people uh, disappointed with where the game is going to play, be played. I was at last year's Connacht final. It was a game Galway could well have won. Have they improved much since then? And in what way, Michael? I think they have. It's It's... You know, they 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 took uh, they took that defeat to Mayo in the league. You know, a few weeks prior to that, and 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 missed out on their first round game against Sligo. Um, you know, so they went into that game a little bit cold and and ran Mayo very very close. You know, give conditions given aside and everything else. I just think Gal Galway have uh, have had a chance to you know run through the the shortened league uh, championship game under their belt. They got uh, you know they had a real blunder, a real bad day out against Kerry in the first round of the league. But since then they. 
they changed a few things up in terms of their, their style of play a little bit and I suppose just bedded in the pair the players that they wanted to bed in. The likes of Matthew Tierney has, has, has come in in his first season and, and is doing remarkable. Peter Cook is back uh, after being in the States for a year and uh, you know he's he's finding his feet again, you know, getting back up to speed. So you have a lot of that coming through. Damien Comer is is again another man who has missed a lot of football over the last few years with injury. Uh, he played a full game game against Roscommon in the last championship outing. So uh, you know that's that's a good that's that's good news from from the Goy's perspective in terms of the personnel that they have uh, available to them. Um, for the Sunday. Have they got the shift right between defence and attack? And in fairness to Porrick Joyce, this is only his third championship game at the weekend. Uh, exactly, yeah. And he, they, I think they have. There will be that little bit more defensive-minded. Uh, they, you know, they, they certainly got a lesson in, in, in Tralee uh, at the start of the league. Mm. And that would have changed up how they wanted to uh, to do. You know, they, they had to change in that regard. You know, the man-on-man just didn't work that day. And, and it won't work Sunday either. And We've seen the likes of Finney and O'Lee uh, dropping off and, and, and providing cover, uh, along with the, the other players in the middle third. Um, so there'll be times on Sunday, as every team does, where you'll have the bodies behind the ball, just, just, just minding the house and kind of slowing down the game and, and trying to control the game even when you don't have it in your own hands, when the ball is with the opposition. But maybe you can control that game a little bit when you drop everyone inside. Yeah, just wondering then about Mayo. Uh, how do you see them this year? Again, a lot of young players blooded uh, last time out probably hit by uh, close contacts and had to make a lot of selection uh, changes. But just where do you see James Horne's 2021 version of Mayo? Yeah, it's, it's remarkable the amount of players that he blooded last year. And, and, and again, this year on top of that. And I know his hand was forced a little bit by the, the vacancies that popped up in the panel with the, with the big players retiring there at, at the turn of the new year. Um, but yeah, they just, they, in fairness, credit to them, they seem to fit in fairly seamlessly, albeit, you know, their last three games were not against, you know, Division One sides. They had Clare and then Sligo and Neitram. So they, there's a little bit of that in it. He might feel as if they haven't been tested in, in that time. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just the type of player that he has, you know, he's very much, he's big on mobility and players that can get up and down the pitch and players that can score, you know. Looking back over there, did they score every line on the pitch scores for Mayo in, in nearly every game? You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be that bit more in the forwards, but you'll have someone in the full back line, someone in the half back line scoring, and a midfielder will score. And that's a that's an exceptional trait to have in a team because it's, it's very hard to defend against that. Yeah, especially with Oakley and Connor, they've all had to add up uh, extra value into the team. Just as regards the psychology of this game, then, Michael. How do you see it? Like, will Galway come in here now with a rootlessness that is needed to beat these guys and a, a mental rootlessness? You'd hope so. You'd expect that they will. That that there's an opportunity from the point of view of that Galway's player. I know Mayo still have plenty of quality and, and established players there, but there there may be an opportunity for Galway to try and uh, you know get at some of the relatively new players to the Mayo Championship team and and just see you know in the in the real heat of of Championship if Galway can bring that intense pressure. Uh, and desire, you know, how will they stack up in that environment? Because even even James Horan mightn't be fully sure about you know some of his guys that have come in this year, um, how they react in that situation. So that that is the the opportunity that lies uh, from from a goy perspective, to my mind, that can they create a few matchups and a few um, mismatches with regards to. Uh, experience in that and that and, and try and take advantage um, in those situations. Just, I suppose, I saw the likes of Kieran Malai looks to have grafted his way into that team, Michael, and Cora Finn play a yeah. lovely kick-passing game. Uh, Galway maybe were in transition with their style. Do you think maybe the kind of smooth transition has been made now between 
the club style and the county team and the team in general maybe can play a game that they're all in harmony with. Yeah, like it's, like you said yourself, Damien, it's probably, you know, it's Porek's third championship game just... Um, and I think there's there's more to go in that. You know, the journey has started uh, and they have they, they've mixed it up um, a little bit. They're adopting... They're, I think they're trying to adopt that little bit more of... Uh, style of play but you know it, it has to be underpinned with the with the, the tough you know uh, defensive duties as well that, that every okay. serious inter-county team brings to, to mirror as did Curra Finn you know in their successful period so it's just getting that balance right but Porik is, is a, fan, a fan of kicking the ball and moving the ball forward at pace and there'll be opportunities on, on Sunday for that for sure and you know the ball there's nothing faster than the ball and, and if, you can, if you can get that ball moving and have enough bodies in position with runners off them you know, you, you, you'll transition up the pitch um, and, and go away have the forwards that on their day you'd hope can, can do real damage to any, any back line. Does your heart, final question, does your heart uh, wave a maroon flag at the end of the final whistle? Oh, it always does. It always does, Damien. <laughs> but uh, we'll have to see what, what comes about. Um, there's a great opportunity. I think Mayo are favourites uh, and, and, and rightly so. Um, but I think this is a great opportunity for Galway to go in and ask the, you know this again this new Mayo team the questions minus the leaders you know that and and in one in particular Killian O'Connor and we know what he does with the ball in hand but it's as much as what he does without it and and the setting up and and pressing and and defending and tracking you know and he's he has been the leader at that game for Mayo for a long time so it's just how they how they react without those leaders it, it's it's going to have to be fast and furious and. Mm. Um, it's going to have to be, you know, really, really asking those tough questions early on off Mayo because, you know, youth, youths are great that they, they bring, bring a great vibrancy uh, and they get over things quickly. So you, you don't want to give, um, give them confidence early on and give them a good start um, because, you know, it's very hard to pull it back then. Michael Meehan, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Damien. To the tactics board now, great to welcome Shane and Keith back to the show as always. Shane, just come to you first of all, a game of two halves in last weekend's Munster Hurling final. Yeah, I think that's putting a mile lead, Damien. It was crazy stuff all together. Uh, like, you know, I was obviously thankfully there and uh, I was there at half time and while I knew it was in the locker and while I knew they would have been able to revert back to a number of games in the last <clears throat> number of years, uh, you know, to reference, I just didn't know where they were playing well enough at the time to be able to do it. Um, but I suppose I was surprised to see Liam Sheedy so... I don't know what the word to use is, but he, he seemed extremely happy anyway at halftime and nearly as if the job was done. And, uh, you know, them players more so than anyone over the last couple of years should have known that Limerick have had their number. And I suppose from my perspective, Damien, you know, when, when, when I was asked, you know, last week, who would I think to win the game? My answer was Limerick. And it's very for a very simple reason is because like in the 2019 Munster final, we beat them by, you know, quite a margin. Mm. And last year in the Munster quarter final, we also beat them by quite a margin. And I think Tipperary have regressed since then and that Limerick have progressed so I couldn't see any and I do think Limerick are you know quite a better team than Tipperary but credit Tipperary in the first half they blew them off the park but when, when Limerick got their ducks in order they were a different animal Yeah just in the Leinster hurling final then Keith uh, Dublin rattled by four uh, withdrawals due to COVID cases or close contacts or whatever before the game um, just that can't be easy Keith and you know from your own experience with Mayo can't be easy for a squad and also then, Kilkenny just made light work of Dublin in the end, I thought. What did you feel? Yeah, I think definitely, I think the withdrawals probably affected them. I think they seem to be slow out of the blocks um, on the evening. You know, it's, 
you know, it has to have some effect on it. Obviously, the injury kind of earlier on then as well kind of didn't help the cause either. But, um, you know, like you said, I think Kilkenny were kind of always in control without really playing awfully well, I thought. Um, you know, like they were getting a lot of bodies around the middle. Um, you know, they were kind of going through that short game a lot, maybe a bit too much, I thought, at times. Um, so, yeah, look, I suppose mm. it was seemed to be a bit more comfortable for them. You know, I thought at times, like in defence, they were very good likes of um, Hugh Lawler and Paddy Deegan, these guys. But saying that at the other time, when Dublin actually were able to get quality ball in and leave a bit of space in front of their full forward line, you know, I thought they kind of looked a bit vulnerable to Kenny at times. So, okay. you know, whether that would be a concern going forward. But, um, you know, I'm still not 100% convinced if, Kil- if Kilkenny are kind of really kind of pushing the top teams. OK, this weekend's action. And Keith, personal experience of, of playing a Connacht final. What was your own big uh, match day routine? Um, I suppose, Damien, we were kind of... We were lucky, you know, we kind of... We would have had a very, very set routine for all our games, whether it was league or championship, you know, we kind of... The, the whole morning of it was was the same all the way through. We'd kind of meet in Brafey House typically for the kind of the pre-match meal, usually three hours before the game. So it was more just a case of kind of getting yourself ready and then get to the hotel and everything was kind of, I suppose, laid on for you. You're nearly kind of spoiled in a way, you know. Yeah. But you didn't have to be kind of thinking things through too much. And then it was just, you'd have your meal, you'd get on the bus, whether it was the game was in Roscommon or Galway usually. Um, and, you know, you'd be at the ground maybe an hour, an hour and a half before the game. So... I think the way that it is at the moment, kind of things are kind of so laid on for lads that they don't really have to think through the whole routine too much. Um, now it is slightly different, I suppose, the game in Crow Park, but um, look, they'll probably head up Saturday night and like I said, everything will be kind of laid out for them the morning of the game, so they won't have too much thinking to do bar what's in front of them on the pitch. How do you see the game going, Keith? Galway versus yeah. Mayo. Galway potentially in danger of losing three finals in a row. Hopefully, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think, look, I suppose... My heart is probably telling me, look, if Mayo kind of get their running game going, big open pitch in Club Park has always kind of suited us. Um, do you know, if they can get that high tempo game going, that we should have enough. Now saying that, again, I think Club Park could suit some of the Galway forwards as well. I mean, you look at, you know, Young Tierney there, Comer, or Shane Walsh, Kelly, like, I mean, there's some good fo- fo- footballers there. Um, I think the problem for Patrick Joyce is probably just kind of getting that balance right between being defensively sound getting good ball into the boys or getting quick mm. ball up to the boys the forward so like I said hard to tell me if Mayo get the game plan right get the high tempo game, game going they should have enough head is telling me it's going to be a lot tighter than that you know so there's going to be a lot of intriguing matchups like especially in the Mayo defence like who's going to pick up Shane Walsh Comer Tierney if he goes close to goal so there's a lot of intriguing battles there, but yeah, fingers crossed me out on the right side of it. Yeah, hard to believe it's just Porrick Joyce's third championship match as manager. Just push over to the hurling then, Shane, and uh, maybe take a look at the two games for me. I was reading your column in RT.ie about the Cork Clare game, and you make a point that Clare are about more than Tony Kelly for sure. Yeah, well, I just think o- over recent years, obviously, like some of the games that Tony Kelly's played over the last, you know, good number of years have been, you know, quite extraordinary, and very few would have been able to do and, and reach the standards that he's reached. But I think this year that, you know, <clears throat> Definitely looking at him, you know, from a different hat this year, I suppose, where when you're not playing and looking in or whatever, just, you know, the last day he got obviously got a couple of points, but I thought Clare were exceptionally solid throughout the whole field. And, I, you know, you, you've read stuff over the years and you hear stuff just that, you know, you've, you know, stop Tony Kelly in your long way of going winning the game. And I just don't think that's fair on the other players that are there. I mean, they seem to be a fairly well-balanced team now at the minute. Like, Rory Hayes has done really, really well cornerback, actually, in the last couple of games. He's been a great find for them. Obviously, John Collin at uh, John Collin at six, uh, but then you know, up front like David Reedy took a year out. He's back. 
the Galvins are back Aaron Shanahan's creating damage you know Ryan Taylor's there and they've a couple of bodies come off the bench as well so I think that it's just been a bit unfair on the overall panel for Clare when it, that's been specified and I think sometime you know pundits or journalists whatever can zone in on different individuals because of their you know their ability that they have but you know for me I suppose I, I try to look at the other players that are winning them the games when Tony isn't having his having his greatest day and I suppose the, the reality of a two day I mean is that if you're in opposition well you're going to try to come up with a tactic to try and nullify you know the amount of ball he can get on so when while doing that more space should be created for the other players and it's up to then them to try and counter that Tactically then Shane clear stand off a little bit Cork like to run at opponents how is this game going to fare out who do you see getting over the finishing line I think it's a very, very hard one to call, to be fair. Uh, you know, and as I said, as you said there a while ago, Damon, just in the piece this morning, like that, you know, if, if we go back to the Antrim game when there was ructions in Clare and the talk coming out of the county was horrific, and me included, by the way, I'm not going to say it was anyone else had them written off. I just thought that all oh, this was going to catch up with them. But credit what they've done since then. Uh, Cork were, you know, Don Lokusek and, and a couple more had them up there as all Ireland fancies after the opening two games of the league, you know, and now if they don't win the weekend, I mean, you know, what good will that be? So I suppose looking at it, I was at the Limerick Cork game. I thought Cork were good early on. They were sharp. And, you know, if Patrick Corgan had scored that penalty, you know, they probably would have kicked on a bit and they'd been a lot closer than it was. I've been really impressed with Clare though. Uh, so, you know, I will look in and I'll tip my hat probably to Clare on the condition that the heat that they played in last week, which was really severe, hasn't taken much out of them. Shane, what are your kind of thoughts on where go? I think there's probably a lot of kind of seems to be a lot of talk in the Galway, especially nearly questioning where they're at themselves, um, kind of nearly writing them off already. What do what you reckon their chances are? Yeah, well, I think to be fair, Keith, like that, they had a they had a great league campaign. Again, they were they were they were joint favourites with Limerick. They were the team that that we were all told were were going to be the teams at the top of Limerick, and then uh, they went into Dublin as rage and had favourites and put in a well below par performance. Uh, if they can get over that and get over the you know the psychological aspect of it and not be you know down in their boots after it, if they have built themselves back up since then, since then, I mean, you know, looking at Waterford, if you were to if you were to forget if if there was no championship last year and you were going in playing this Waterford team, I think Galway would be extremely had favourites I think you know going on the back of last year because they're playing Waterford who were all Ireland finalists Munster finalists just brings that small bit more of element to the game I don't think Waterford have been playing great this year I've always said it was a banana skin of a year for them because sometimes automatic expectation of a county uh, you know will be expressed the following year and teams just think they'll be able to push on you know, Waterford have, have had a number of injuries. They haven't been finding their form this year. I think Galway have got a, a kick in the backside now. And if they can get a win on the board uh, tomorrow, which I think they will, it could just kickstart their year and get them back into their flow because they have a serious, serious ability in that team. OK, Shane and Keith, yeah. Keith, just wrap it up very briefly for me. Would you be afraid of future COVID close contacts going forward if you were a current inter-county player? Yeah, I think so. I think what we've seen, I suppose, over the last number of weeks... Um, you know, you'd have to look at Dublin last weekend, Mayo the weekend before, you know, the rise in the Delta variant, whatever. Um, it is a concern. I think managers are going to be kind of very wary of where their players are, I suppose, spending their off time. You know, that's you can't 
put them into a bubble or anything, but at the same time, players just have to be extra cautious now who they're mixing with because, you know, like we've seen, uh, you get one close contact um, in a group and it kind of a knock-on effect, and next thing you're missing two or three players. So okay. if that was the case that, and it happened to come up to an Lauren semi-final, would the GA look postpone the game? You know, it's hard to know. Um, I think there's, it has to be a certain number of players in the group before they'll do that. So, yeah, I think for managers all over the country for the next couple of weeks, it will be a concern. Okay, Keith, Shane, thanks so much for your time. Cork will clear it outfield eventually. They will push for one last opportunity to get an equalising score. Paul Kerrigan now on the 45. Who will take the shot? When will it arrive? It's a frantic finish to this game. Paul Kerrigan. Kerrigan perhaps his last championship appearance for his county unless they can get a victory here today. Cork are coming back out to Luke Conley out in the wing. Can he go for the spectacular? Oh, he's not. It's going to land in on the edge of the square. Who'll get up and win that ball? Chance for Cork. A spectacular goal for Cork right at the end of this match. It's been sent in by Mark Keane, the man home from Australia and is that the goal that sensationally knocks Kerry out of the championship yeah and even months later it's still hard to get used to seeing Cork play without Paul Kerrigan after a 13 year career Paul joins us now how are you doing Paul? Uh, not too bad no Damien um, yeah it's kind of that clip there kind of brings back good memories it was a nice way to finish up against Kerry I suppose uh, for my career but um yeah, I'm not doing too bad, uh, kind of settling into retirement and hopefully like things are starting to open a bit up a bit more for from this COVID stuff and kind of maybe enjoy maybe uh maybe enjoy the, the other side of life a bit more. Yeah, well you deserve that. You've been in Kerry for the last couple of weeks, you're telling me. Um are you getting a sense of the renewed gusto their football team has this season, Paul? Ah uh, yeah, like uh kind of I think kind of they've revenge is on their mind even though they'll play it down that it isn't. Um they kind of have two jobs, I'd say, they see it this year. Number one is probably to, to get back Cork from last year and retain the Munster. And uh, then obviously have a good crack off the Dubs maybe for, for the All-Ireland. And look, uh, they're probably been the farm team right throughout league and championship so far. So look, uh, Cork will have a lot to do this weekend to, to upset the odds of McLaren. Paul, what difference do you see in Kerry uh, this year compared to last season? Have you spotted anything? Yeah, I suppose too. Like, obviously, firstly, their approach like is... Like we were very happy with the way they were approaching us last year. You know, we analysed them and they got massive numbers behind the ball. You've the likes of Shawnee Shea and David Clifford, very deep defending, um, and like you, you want to see them out around the middle of the field defending as opposed to close to goal. And I think like they've they've definitely tightened up their defence. I think Gavin Crowley is kind of sitting a bit in front. They've only conceded one eight, one eleven, and then from there, I think uh, they're keeping maybe bodies up around the half hour. Sean O'Shea and Paddy Clifford kind of buzzing around midfield in the 65 so once they turn over the ball like they, they have an outlet and they, like, they can move with the foot like no one other they're all very comfortable on the ball so they're getting it to those guys quick and then getting it inside to the likes of Clifford and so on uh, and they're doing massive damage um, they just look very sharp and I think they have a, ma- a massive kind of if I go back to their first league game against uh, Galway they just right from the first kick out, kick out first turnover first score they were kind of pumping each other up and I suppose, look, as I said, they probably have revenge on their mind after last year, probably felt they left it behind them. So just that, I think their approach, mm. their more attacking approach, their more natural game. And I think Peter Keane of Harrison has built a lot of strength and depth, like the likes of Killian Spran is absolutely lifting and he can't get into the team. We saw James Dunn who walked away, a class player. And then like you have the likes of Jack Barry, Michal Burns who came on the last day, uh, I think got goals. So like um, those two things, I think he's built huge strength and depth probably a bit more than even Dublin and then just a change of approach maybe 
their collective defence and then uh, keeping the bodies up and, and transitioning very quick. That's a, a lovely summary in fairness, very precise as well. James O'Donoghue, one of the, the best footballers in the country up to a few years ago. Can you empathise with his decision to walk away, Paul? Game time was slim enough. It's, it's, it's a pity. He's a guy you kind of still think, the way, even the way he plays, he's in his mid-twenties, but I think he's about 31 now, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember when he came on again, we, we beat Kerry in, in Parky Cueve in 2012. We were three or four points up at half time and he came on and he was a right thorn in our side as a young fella. Like he just always asked questions of the defence, were very sharp, take on his man all the time. Uh deadly accurate off left and right and then improved and obviously he I think he kicked ten points because he destroyed us in, in the Munster final in twenty fourteen. And like that was his kind of real career year and he, he ended up getting player of the year. And yeah. look, I think he he done his shoulders kind of and he's had no luck since. Um we played him in a club game last year in a challenge game. I thought he looked quite sharp and I thought he'd be coming back. But I'd say just he can't get in really like um, as he just can't get in the competition there is ferocious and look hopefully he'll go back and enjoy his club football look, do you know what I mean the, the mindset of it because he'd make most other inter-county teams in the country um, I'm just reading the Irish Examiner this week looking at Sean Powder's interview which I was really impressed with and reading Ronan McCarty's few words as well so McCarty said Kerry don't have a right on hurt and Sean Powder is there like we're going to win we've beaten these guys all the way up at underage level and we have no fear of that jersey. Uh, are you impressed to see those words in print? Um, and can you just talk to me about the Cork mindset heading into this game when yeah. everybody's talking about Kerry? Yeah, I can kind of see, like, I think Ronan is right. You know, I mentioned the word revenge, like, mm. Kerry have no divine right to win Munster or whatever, like, um, kind of, like a lot of our lads have come in and they haven't won any medals really with Cork and they should have massive hunger and massive hurt to, to get their first Munster medal. Um, so I think Ronan in fairness hit the nail on the head there and guys should have massive motivation after the way we were beaten last year against Tipperary like. and I, I, I'm delighted to see that from Sean Potter do you know what I mean like I suppose yeah. he's he's one of the leaders on the team now and like as an older player when I, like you have to be positive you have to think you have a chance in every game and I think if the leaders in the team are, are kind of kind of uh, that positive and that eager going into a big game like that um, if they put kind of their shoulder to the wheel like you, you'd hope everyone else would row in behind them and follow you know so mm. I was kind of happy to see that from, from Powder this week Paul does it make any difference that the under 20s have had a couple of good wins there in the last few weeks as well and I mean there's a few there's going to be a crossover there slightly uh, does that feed into the senior team the positivity around the county at the moment yeah I think it does definitely There's, I think the, the 20 hurlers are going well you know what I mean and the, the minors are, are doing well as well, you know. So yep. things are getting positive. Like like Cork is such a big county. Like if we have our ship in order, like there's no reason why it shouldn't be filtering through to the seniors. We should be usually competitive, like in vote codes all the time. Like, um, yeah, I think the, I was actually on to Colin O'Neill there, um, and just congratulating him. He's involved, and look, they're very positive now that they're going into play awfully in the All Ireland semi. Um, and there's some really talented players there. You know, I think you've probably seen Kieran Rickens interview to twenties as well did, during yeah. the week and. Yeah. He's he's all about empowering the young fellas, and like I love his mantra of making them good people as well. You know, like any successful team I was involved in had really good players, but great people behind it as well. And um, he's I like a battery recharger, Paul. Listen, he Keith Rickon. Anytime you're feeling down, you just yeah. ring him, and he'd, he'd plug you back up again. <laughs> Oh yeah, well I, I know Keith since I'm very young, but he's well able to take a take a few scraps out of you as well if he wants to. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, he, can put, right. he can put you down a peg or two as well. Um, he's he's not all great that he'd be putting out on telly, like but um, he keeps that side of it hidden. Yeah, so. no, yeah, he has that side in him too, which is which is good. Uh, but as uh, but like I saw it myself in the last couple of years, they're very young coming in now. You know I mean, it used to be different when they were under twenty one, so coming in at maybe twenty one, twenty two, they're younger, but they're very eager and they're very kind of professional about their football. You know, it was kind of. 
uh, for my last year, I was uh, they'd won the, the 20 All Ireland year before, so I was eager to see and play with some of these lads as well. You know, it gave me a bit of a kick towards the end of my career. So, like, long may continue that they're they're feeding through some good some good young lads for us. Okay, Paul. Well, I won't ask you to call it because I know exactly what you're going to say. Uh, just <laughs> thanks so much for your time, and you give us a great insight there as well. Yeah, thanks very much, Damien. Well, that's it for this week's show, folks. The program was produced by John Farrell. Sheila Neville was on sound. From myself, Damien Lawler. Stay safe, and we'll chat again next week. 